This is Talk To Me. The official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Your host, Joshua Toomey, bring you epic rants, anecdotes, and interviews with heavy hitters from hardcore to hair metal. This is Talk To Me. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Talk To Me. This is episode 161. And yes, this is a special Monday episode of Talk To Me, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Make sure to head over to MetalNexus.net for all of your news, reviews, interviews, and the archives of the Talk To Me podcast. Great guest this week, it's Blasco from Ozzy Osbourne's band. You may know him from Rob Zombie or Prong or Danzig or Drown or Cryptic Slaughter. So many great bands and what a great dude. He also hosts Managemental Podcast and he's on here to talk about a new level podcast. Very exciting chat with, with Blasco and I have to say, man, he is a trooper because he was in Barcelona, Spain and it was like 7 p.m. my time, but like 1 a.m. his time. I couldn't believe that he was staying up to do the podcast. But what a cool guy, man. What a trooper. And uh, you guys will definitely enjoy this podcast. As always, the Talk To Me podcast is brought to you by Good Company with Bowling. Yes, that is our good friend Scott Bowling down there in Atlanta. So make sure and check out his show on YouTube, Good Company with Bowling. He just released his Rich Ward episode Another another great episode, man. If you guys like good interviews and high-quality shot interviews, make sure and check out his show. Like I say each and every week, done by the great guys that do the DDP yoga. Scott puts a lot of time and effort into these interviews and into these episodes. So make sure and check it out. Support him and let him know that the Talk To Me podcast sent you. I'm going to take a cue from Blasco and make this episode shorter I do enjoy managemental and a new level being 30 minutes, quick in and out, and get you on with your day. So without any more of my ramblings, let's talk to Blasco from Ozzy Osbourne and a new level podcast. Uh, not yet. I'm actually on my way to Israel tomorrow, but currently I'm in uh, Barcelona, Spain. Wow, so it's like 2 a.m. there? <laughs> uh, I'm afraid to look. It's actually 1 a.m. Okay, good. <laughs> well, that's a little bit better. Yeah, when I realized that you were overseas, I was like, wow, he's a trooper doing the uh, podcast in the middle of the night. 
Yeah, but it's like I, I don't like I never it's crazy. I've been on tour for like six weeks now and I just never adapted to the time change. So like I'm up till like six in the morning yeah. usually. Just like 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 right now, like I'm just like cruising. <laughs> like I'm not uh, like it's not I'm not even remotely ready to go to sleep yet. Wow. You have to think about it though. Your, you know, your management side of you kind of needs to be awake at these hours. So it's kind of, uh, kind of odd to be overseas when a lot of your clients are probably in America. Well, that's exactly it as well. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I got to stay up as late as, you know, the day is long. And then, um, but it's kind of cool because when I wake up, it's the middle of the night. So I'm actually able to get some things done. And so people, you know, when people show up and get, you know, get to their inbox or whatever, I've already flooded them with information. So it's good. A new level podcast, the one that you kind of do at the beginning of each episode was kind of like, you know, where do we know each other? Have we ever met kind of stuff? And I'll flip the script on you. Um, we met in 1994 when you were opening for prong, when you were in drown and I actually have a, a photo of myself and you from, uh, from when I was 15. So good times. Wow. Now, so I, so that was the Drown Clutch Prong Tour. Yeah. And then what city was it? Nashville. Nashville. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's crazy, right? Because I've gone on to tour with Clutch many times and I went on to actually be a member of Prong <laughs> after that, after that tour. Yeah. Yeah. It's fu- funny stuff. It's funny. I was like, the drowned fan. Like, I don't know why. I mean, not that sounds terrible to say. I don't know why, but like I went all in on drown. I had like drowned t-shirts and like I was on the mailing list and it, it was nuts, man. I, I hold on to the hollow was like my favorite album of that year. That was crazy. Yeah. I was, a, that was an interesting time for music in LA specifically. Um, you know, there was, there was a lot of stuff going on that was at a time when labels still did development and what was going on in LA was that, you know, obviously in the, in, in the mid nineties there, um, you, you had a lot of, you had a, like music was very eclectic and you could have, you know, you could have a Jane's addiction and a tool and a rage against the machine and all these different types of things coming out of LA that were also unique to themselves. And the only thing that they had in common is what they're, they all came out of LA. Right. But musically, and, and, and they were rock bands, but you know, musically and stylistically and, and how they presented themselves and everything about them was only unique to themselves. I mean, there's only one rage, there's only one tool, you know, there's only one Jane, you know, and stuff. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff. And then, so consequently there was, there was a lot of, you know, the, 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 the scene in LA at that time was really vibrant. There was a lot going on. You know, there was a lot of clubs, there was bands playing every night. There was, there was a place called the club lingerie that was free to get in on Monday nights. And that was always packed. And then there was like the coconut teaser and there was English acid and God save the queen, like all these different clubs. And, you know, there was a lot of bands cutting their teeth. And what would happen is, is that the A&M specifically was pulling in all of these bands and they were, and they had, they owned A&M studios at the time and they had a little demo studio there and they would pull in all these bands and they would um, cut demos with them. 
and they would really put them under a developmental wing and put them in the studio and, and, and craft and help them craft their songs and, and, and everything. It's, it, it's, it's a very much a lost art. And, but that was a cool experience to have been a part of, you know, coming from a very opposite, you know, like super gnarly metal blade, you know, punk rock, heavy metal scene or whatever that, it, it, that, that just wasn't going on in, in, in the eighties or whatever. Not, not that it's a bad thing. I'm just saying like, it was just a different world. And then, so the nineties, this was going on. So it was, it was a very different, but I'm glad that I experienced it. And, um, and, uh, yeah, but I mean, you, you know, it was, it was a time and we, and we spent a lot of work and we, and we did a lot of stuff and we played a lot of gigs and cut a lot of songs. And, you know, the, the end result of, of that particular album was really, was really interesting because I, I feel like that by the time that we made that record, we had gotten a little too arty farty for our own good. And, um, and, 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 and like, if I was to ever meet up with you and, and play you the demos that predated that album, you'd be like, Oh, holy shit. Like, like it's, 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 it's not that it's totally different. It's still, it, it, the the foundation is the same, but just the the song structures and the way that we crafted songs and stuff was was just very much different. By the time that we got into Hold On to the Hollow, we were so in deep with things like Skinny Puppy and Neurosis and and KMFDM and the Frontline Assembly and like we were just kind of going in real deep and sort of lost the plot of like what a band should do on a major label. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so whenever we turned in our first single that was six minutes long, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, in hindsight, kind of like some things we probably would have done a little differently. <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny talking about the, what you would do differently. I got to open for drown in like 99, uh, you know, they were still, I guess, wow. Lauren had, uh, you know, kept the band together and I had created a band that had a buzz and stuff. And we actually opened for them in uh, Tempe, Arizona. It was down set and drown. And then we played on the same bill. And so I went up to Lauren. I was like, man, you know, a huge fan when I was a kid, blah, blah, blah. You know, I was like, whatever happened to Rob? And he goes, don't you mean Blasco? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, yeah, that's how, <laughs> I, that's how I learned you had went to, uh, I guess you were in Rob Zombie at the time. And then the other thing, yeah, that, ninety-nine, yeah, yeah. And then the other thing that like kind of crushed my childhood uh, dreams was uh, I asked him because my band at the time we you know we practiced four nights a week and you know we did we did all this stuff as a band and and I asked him I was like so how often do you guys practice and he was like practice he's like we get together like two weeks before tour and blah 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 and like I was like man that's just I, I just hated hearing that that was how that band ran yeah you know I mean I I feel like there like for instance cryptic slaughter that was my first band like we rehearsed like three times a week and you know we rehearsed we wrote songs we made records we went on tour and that's the way we did it then um but uh, but you know but we were signed you know and we put out a record every year in the 80s and stuff so you know we we, we were busy and we had there was a purpose for what we were doing and why we were rehearsing um Whereas like now and like, you know, Ozzy's band, like, yeah, man, like, you know, we, we have a tour, we rehearse a week before the tour. We know how crazy train goes. We just need to, you know, dust the, you know, brush the dust off, you know, before a tour and we, then we go hit it, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's just a different of, you know, perspective. Yeah. The other thing that ruined my uh, childhood dreams of being a rock star was 
I met Life of Agony early on, and I think they're on the first or second album, and we were talking, and somehow it got brought up that they still lived at home, like at home with their parents, and I was like, wow, like you were, you're signed to a, a record deal and all this stuff, and you still live at home, and that just uh, threw off my rock star dreams. You know, you just always assume as a kid that if you sign the record deal, you've got a, a mansion in the hills or something. Yeah, well, look, man, Cryptic Slaughter, like, you know, we got signed really young, and, and um, you know, we from, from 19, like, 1986, 87, and 88, we put out a record, and those were all the records that I was in high school. That's crazy. <laughs> you know? So, so of course, I lived at home. As, I mean, as we all did, you know. I mean, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's but it's 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 funny. Then it wasn't really that big of a deal. Like you know what I mean? Like I wasn't popular in high school because I had a record deal and put records out. Like no one gave a shit. Like it was like the. Like the, you know what I mean? Like the, the the football players and cheerleaders were still the cool kids, and you know we we the guys in the Iron Maiden shirts weren't cool, right? You know? Oh yeah, that was definitely always there, especially you know through my high school too. Kind of talking about touring with Ozzy, how often does he does he play a week? I know he's, I'm sure he doesn't do back to backs, but I mean, is it like twice a week? You know, once every four days? What's that schedule like with with Ozzy? Yeah, it's, it works. I think it works out to be like three days a week you know i mean it's kind of like more or less like every other day you know it's kind of how, how, how it kind of works out so um but yeah it's not like it's not an overly taxing schedule by any means so which is beneficial for me because i you know i do i have my business to run and now you know now i launched this podcast you know since i've been on tour and now i'm starting to do press and stuff so so it, it allows me the advantage to be able to still run my business and not, you know, not lose much, you know, momentum. Like no one really even really knows I'm gone. You know, I'm always accessible and, and, you know, shit's still getting done. So, um, it's, it's a really good situation for me, um, you know, for whatever that's worth. And with the advent of, you know, the phone and the, you know, the laptop that you can pretty much get Wi-Fi anywhere. I mean, I'm assuming, you know, 20 years ago, you probably couldn't do what you're doing. Uh, you know, just always away and no cell phones and, you know, having to work with uh, pay phones and phone cards. So, I mean, with the advent of being able to basically run your business from your pocket, I'm sure that uh, helps you out these days. Oh, yeah. No, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine trying to do this in a band that was on tour in a van, no Wi-Fi. You know what I mean? Like it would be in any other situation, what I do would be really tough to pull off. Mm-hmm. Especially those early days of, uh, you know, even if you had a laptop, you had to like rip the phone jack out of the wall and everything else and destroy uh, many a uh, hotel phone. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it, no, no chance <laughs> this would be happening at, at that era. Yeah, no way. So the one thing I've heard you say a lot is, uh, you know, basically you're in the Aussies retirement tour and, you know, you've said many a time that, you know, this will be your once Aussie retires, you're going to retire. Do you still feel that way? Or, you know, now that you can kind of see the end? That's always been the plan. Um, and I, I think the only thing that may keep me in the loop a little bit longer is Zach and I started this Zach Sabbath, you know, cover band. Like we do all, all black Sabbath songs and, 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 and that's been really fun. So if there's some life in that project post Ozzy farewell tour, that's the only thing that maybe keeps me in the game a little bit longer, but you know, by and large, um, no real aspirations to continue to be a, you know, a hired gun based player to the heavy metal stars, you know, after this. 
do you get occasional offers or are you on retainer with Ozzy? Like, could you do something else with, you know, say you, someone needs a fill in bass player for a certain tour. Are you able to do that? Uh, I mean, it's sure. Um, but like the business really keeps me busy. And, um, and so it would have to be something that was really extremely worth my while. And, um, and, 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 you know, there was a long time when Sabbath was touring and Ozzy wasn't doing anything. So that would have been a time that something like that could have happened. Um, but it didn't. And, and, um, and, uh, and now with Ozzy's schedule is so, is so busy that there's really no chance that I could, you know, fit anything in between, you know, other than some Zach Sabbath gigs, you know, we're doing a few gigs and, august and we're playing cycle las vegas um and so but uh you know aside from that no i don't think there's any any hope of that happening have you been close to having to fill in for any of your own bands like say you know when you were doing butcher babies or uh you know any of the any of the bands that you had that maybe lost a bass player along the way and you're like you know the uh the emergency contact no no i mean i i suppose the only potential situation i would ever be on deck for would be like a black label society you know kind of thing um but uh but yeah no other than that i I think the majority of my bands don't even acknowledge that uh that i even play an instrument and then like you know someone like black brides who are so young they'd be like oh we don't want like our guy with a beard that looks like our dad on stage (laughs) like that's ridiculous You know, the main thing we're here to talk about is a new level. And I have to say, when I first saw the logo for the show, I was so paranoid that it was an all Pantera podcast because I've been thinking about for a long time, like in the back of my brain, doing an all Pantera podcast. And I was like, damn it, somebody beat me to it. But then I realized it was your new show. Yeah, you know, it's the inspiration behind the name uh, was that as a, as a person in the business, and then as a person that, you know, talks to young bands and young musicians all the time, the question that I get the most is how do I get to the next level? Like, as my, how, how, do, how do I, how does my band get to the next level? Like, the, how do I get to the next level? That's the question, right? So my idea was, is I'm going to call, I was going to call it um, the next level, but there's already 10 million podcasts called like next level something or other, right? And then, and then, and then I thought about it and I go, oh, but this is like, but this is for like people specifically in the heavy metal, like hard music, biz, like genre, like it's specifically about them. Those are the people that I'm interviewing, people that are listening to it. That's my audience. Right. And so, so I go a new level. It's a Pantera song. And it, 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 it's close to what I wanted. And then it ties in the Pantera theme and then it totally, and then it totally makes sense, you know? So, um, so that's how it became, an, it, it was originally a next level and became a new level. So that's, uh, that's, <laughs> that, that's how that came to be. So, and then, you know, episode nine is Kim who, who managed, you know, Pantera and the, and the Dimebag Daryl estate and ha- is currently and, and has forever and stuff. So I had to, I had to get her in on the mix, you know, not only just because she's the only female of, of the season, but because she's the reason why Pantera is, is, you know, is here and everything. So I thought that would be really, I thought that'd be really cool for people to hear the, the, the backstory of, from Pantera's manager. 
Yeah, that was probably one of my favorite episodes, obviously being a huge Pantera fan. But I mean, for me, it's always fun to hear the backstories of everyone in the business and how they got there. And and it was fun. The kind of the theme throughout the episodes was people just doing something, even if it wasn't the end result, like they they would start a fanzine or start a, you know, there were so many fanzine talks and, and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. it it just, it just doing something. And then you meet that next person and going out to shows and, and networking and things like that, that I think, I think a lot of that's lost on this newer generation of bands coming up is, you know, playing that shitty show for 15 people, but one of those 15 people might help you out later down the line. And, and, uh, you know, you got to, uh, meet, meet all those you know people and shake all those hands and you know make those relationships. It was fascinating. The fanzine thing, like that, that, that was a reoccurring theme that people had, had started their career with a fanzine. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I, I was like, and I had like, you know, cause there, there was things that I anticipated going into these interviews and then I walked away from it with way more that what I didn't expect, you know, and the fanzine thing <laughs> being one of them yeah. that I thought was just like, and I was just like, oh, wow, this is like when I do an interview and they, and they started off to be like, oh, well, I started this fanzine and I go, you too? Holy <laughs> shit. Like, it's fucking, that's crazy. Yeah, off the top of my head, I think there's at least four to five of those fanzine talks. And then even, you know, I've, yeah. I've interviewed, you know, business people on my show too, and it always kind of comes back around to, you know, well, I had the first, this blah, blah, blah fanzine. And, you know, that's, it's such a crazy world. And I think that, you know, the web, you know, web zines and, you know, podcasts and all that stuff are one thing, but I think that, uh, you know, that old school fanzine, man, that was, that was something else. It, you know, for the people that didn't get to experience it, you know, I almost kind of feel a little bit bummed for them. Uh, just, just because there was something so, cool about the shittiness of the fanzine right because they were all pretty shitty but it wasn't but it but it but it wasn't about that it wasn't about the content and it wasn't about the quality it was about the passion and love that went into making that because it was so a hundred percent genuine like no one got in no one made a fanzine because they thought they were gonna make money Right. Or like they did it for the love of music and they and they spent hours cutting and taping and glue sticking these things together and going to, you know, like wherever, you know, whatever print shop there was and and and, 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 you know, and photocopied all these things and then put them together and folded the pages in half and got the stapler and stapled them and then put them at the local record store or handed them out at shows or whatever. Like it was just like, I used to collect them, you know, and it was just like, cool. Like, dude, like, I mean, like that's how Metallica got their name. The name Metallica was a fanzine, you know? And, and, and like, it's just like, it, it was just like, like I said, like I feel there's certain things that I can just brush off of like, yes, we, you know, we, as human beings that are in the technological world, we progress as humans because our lives advance because technology advances. But the one thing that I can say that I feel bummed for kids nowadays missing out on is that is the fanzine, the real hard physical product that someone puts that love and attention to detail and into 
and just goes out and hustles it just for the sake of just being a fan. You know, we just really don't, we don't see that anymore. And, and, and I miss that. Yeah. And the only bad thing about a lot of that stuff and even metal magazines back then is just how dated the information was. That's the one thing I do like about the internet world is, you know, the, if you were to make news on this podcast in five minutes, Blabbermouth's running a, you know, Blasco calls, you know, Axl Rose, a, a, you know, immature rock stars. You know, that's going to go all over the place <laughs> in, in five seconds and, you know, might be gone tomorrow, but it's still going to be out there to where, you know, if it was a fanzine right. or metal edge or rip and all that stuff, you know, we wouldn't see that for months. But, but I did, I did right. love to, uh, you know, I was definitely the kid that would go to the grocery store or to the tower records and just sit in the magazine aisle and read all the magazines because I couldn't afford them. Yep. Yep. Totally. Uh, the other thing with the, the podcast I did like was, you know, the kind of structure that it had, it wasn't just a whole lot of dudes rambling and things like that. And I can tell that you've kind of found a formula with the 30 minute podcast from managemental and from a new level. Kind of where did that, that idea for just a 30 minute podcast come from? Well, we managemental, we, whenever we decided to do the podcast, we did actually a bunch of demo episodes. Like we, you know, uh, we, we recorded some like demos, like, you know, like, well, let's just, let's just try this out. Like we're not going to, let's not go crazy and think that we're, you know, going to be perfect out of the gate. Like let's do some demos. Let's feel out our rhythm. Let's listen back to these things. Let's see what works and let's see what doesn't. And when we listen back to them, there was no format. It was two guys like rambling and they were really hard to listen to, to be honest. And I was like, this sucks, man. And so I really, so I really like went back and I go, okay, what is it that I like about podcasts? Like what are the podcasts that I listen to? Why do I like them? What do they do specifically? And the ones that I liked the best were short form and they were formatted. And, and I was like, well, let's do that. Like, let's, let's script these things out. Let's focus on one item per episode. Let's keep the length to 30 minutes. Right. Because it's like when you get, whenever, like, whenever I look like, you know, at a, at a podcast, like, Oh, have you checked out so-and-so podcast or whatever? And I'll go and I'll look it up or whatever. And like, I see like the episodes are like an hour long, two hours long. It's like, man, like I just, I don't have that kind of time. Like I, I can't, I just, I, I, there's too much else out there that I have to do and, and listen to or watch and, you know, get done. I just don't have that kind of time. Like if I, you know what I mean? Like I got, like, I feel like 30 minutes is, is a, on probably average a commute length, right? So that's why, like, I went with 30 minutes. And so whenever it came down to doing a new level, I was like, well, I, I, I know that I'm going to ask these particular questions to everyone. I knew that I, I knew that I wanted to make a formatted scenario. And it was very much based off of uh, the, the Entrepreneurs on Fire, the John Lee Dumas, you know, uh, thing. And, um, and, but my inspiration was that, and it was, uh, Guy Raz, his, his, um, how I built this, um, podcast for NPR and, and, and very much, um, uh, Tim Ferriss is like tools of tools of Titans where he interviews, you know, famous people that kind of see what makes them tick, whatever. These were all inspiration to get it done. But I was like, there's something about listening 
to short form formatted podcast that really resonates with me. And if it resonates with me, then it must resonate with other people considering that Entrepreneurs on Fire gets like 100,000 downloads an episode and he releases seven episodes a week, <laughs> right? So he, he must be doing something right. So I was like, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to use that as a mob. And, and that's what I did. And, um, and that's, and that's, you know, that's how that came to be. And what about the releasing all 10 on the same day with like, you know, very Netflix style releasing it? I mean, have you, have you been able to check numbers and, you know, you notice that the Brian Slagle episode has X amount of downloads, but the, you know, episodes eight, nine and 10 haven't caught up yet. I mean, how are you looking at those analytics? Yeah, the, the Slagle one has the most because it's the first, and I feel people start at number one. And and the other ones are all relatively even, and I kind of feel like, you know, people are just kind of, you know, just catching up, you know? Um, so, but the, the, the binge idea was based on a few different things. One, uh, John Lee Dumas says that if you're going to release a brand new podcast, it's always good to release at least three episodes first. Um, because that way, you, whenever you're promoting it, you have people listening to more than one episode. And when that happens is, is you raise your amount of downloads and listens and everything. So it, it, it provides you more of an opportunity to get noticed by iTunes, potentially get on new and noteworthy and stuff. So it's just strategically, it's a good idea to do that. Um, and then Jabberjaw, uh, um, Jabberjaw suggested we release them all at once. And, um, I couldn't, I didn't have an argument why we shouldn't do it that way. I mean, if John Lee says it and Jabberjaw has, you know, is, is a network that has multiple podcasts, right? Like, I'm like, Hey man, like, you know, I'm not some pro podcaster guy. If people are telling me this is a good look, then I, I'm going to own it. And, and, and so that, and that's what we did. And in hindsight, I feel it was a really good idea just based on the fact of the type of podcast that it is, where it. It is short form and it is formatted to where it's like you listen to one, potentially you're going to want to listen to another one or you're going to want like, oh, I know Ash Abelson. Like, I'm curious what he has to say, you know, based on this format or whatever. So you can kind of bounce around or whatever. But I feel like giving people the opportunity to listen to all of them in hindsight felt like a really great idea. Now, the question is, is how do we go from here? What do we then now that we've done what we've done, do we just release episode per week or do we release, uh, you know, another 10 episodes season two, like in a month or, you know what I mean? Like now, now the question becomes, okay, we did this correctly, but now what's the next move? You know, what, what, what would Pat Flynn do? You know? <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the question. Yeah. And I think it was kind of cool, even if it was, not necessarily a publicity stunt, but it's not something you see every day, especially a metal podcast, you know, metal podcasting will do the three episodes and then one a week. And, you know, it's kind of a format thing, but now, or a formula thing. And now, you know, what you've done, it's like, it just goes to show you that you can truly do anything you want in podcasting. You know, what you did just kind of bucked the system a little bit and kind of, I'm sure made a lot of podcasters think about what they're doing and, uh, you know, maybe think about doing seasons or doing a Netflix style or, you know, trying different things. It was, I think it was a cool idea. Yeah. You know, um, Seth Godin, his, is, 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 uh, seasons, um, 
Pat Flynn has a, a podcast that is seasons. Um, you know, I, the, the, to me, the, the interesting and exciting thing about podcasts is they're so new and so fresh, but there's so much room for experimentation and innovation, right? Because it's like, like, I mean, think, think of the, the, you know, think of the person that thought of the idea of doing cereal, like, Oh wait, what, like what do you mean? Like it, it doesn't have to be just two people rambling for fucking hours on end about fucking pop culture and hot topics, you know? Like so, so I, I think that it's like I'm I'm super fascinated with the the Marvel did the Wolverine podcast that's um, exclusive to Stitcher. Like think about that. They they took think about how innovative that is. For one, for one, it's it's an audio. It's a podcast is audio only, and they took something, a character that is, that is, is only known by visuals, right? Like, how do we even do that? And then the fact that they, then they made it exclusive to Stitcher premium members, like, wow, like you guys are like rewriting the game. Like what, you know, like it, it, you're like, what's going on and stuff. So it's cool because there's just so much room for innovation and podcasting now to where you get yeah, like we it was like fuck it man like let's just drop 10 episodes at once and 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 call it a season and let's like let's see how that goes you know and and stuff so yeah man i i think it's i, I think podcasting is a new frontier that's exciting for me in that way yeah and you know the even the you know i subscribe to a ton of podcasts i work at a job that i can listen to podcasts from basically the moment I clock in to the moment I leave, which is kind of how I, I honestly didn't even mean to binge listen all 10 episodes of a new level, but you know, my player just kept going to the next one and I didn't turn it off. And the next thing I know I had listened to all 10 of them um, at work that day, but it was, it's, it's fun because, you know, I don't necessarily listen to just, you know, just the Josta show and Eddie trunk, you know, I, I mix in some American history podcasts and comedy podcasts and even a, a few of like the wrestling ones, even though I don't really care for wrestling. I just like the, you know, the way that they talk, they have so much passion about what they're talking about. So it's, it's, you know, podcasting is an amazing platform. It really is because it's like for the, you know, there's a lot of people that commute and terrestrial radio sucks. And there's, the, there's, the, there's so much more opportunity now for people that are commuting or that are doing something else or whatever to where it's like, man, think of all this cool content now that you can listen to while driving or sitting on the bus or in the subway or, you know, whatever it is, whatever, however you commute. Um, you know, there's, there's so much cool content now that you didn't have before. And it's just like, Oh, oh yeah. Like, no, like it's like, you know, it's like, if you listen to music, that's awesome too, but this is different because it's new and it's fresh and like there's, there's always a new episode and there's always something new to, to find, you know, so much discovery there and, and fresh content. So yeah, man, I, I, I dig it. I got, you can tell in my voice, my level of excitement with podcasting and just because it's such a, it's a new fresh format that I feel like is, you know, there's, there's so much to, there's so much there to explore that it's, it's just, it's just exciting for me. Absolutely. And uh, I'll finish up with this. I heard you on a uh, classic metal show, I guess yesterday, cause Chris put that up really quick. Um, and you had talked about uh, the sh- the channel vice and how it's kind of a lifestyle of, of that urban 
you know, whatever aesthetic. And you would love to see, you know, the metal world kind of do that one day. And I've always kind of like, I look at the metal world as Jose Mangan and Eddie Trunk and, you know, all the, all the titans of what we do, even Josta. And the metal fan, you'll see stuff, people talking about Jose Mangan, about how he's too animated and Eddie Trunk's too much all about himself. And I feel like the metal community almost cannibalizes itself. And once somebody gets to a certain level, it almost kind of like uh, they, they, they feel like their cred's gone away and you want to take something back. So, I mean, I, I was kind of wondering if, you know, that metal utopia that you were talking about sounds good in theory, but I think that the metal community almost uh, wouldn't allow that to happen. Well, it's, it would have to be... Okay, here's a good example. What Revolver is doing is a good start. How Revolver has rebranded and how that they're focused, they're more of a content-based focus, and and the the angle that they're approaching things. Because this is this is why I even mention this is because I feel like sometimes the presentation of heavy metal in general is not well received because the presentation is is poor. Right. Um, and 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 it doesn't have to be because what we're overlooking is that people that are into heavy lifestyle, heavy subculture, right, to where they listen to heavy music. It's not like that's all they do. Right. There's 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 a level of interest in heavy subculture is what I'm hoping someone can pull together. So my, so my analogy is like, if someone would pull together the vice version, but for people that were into heavy stuff and, 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 and heavy music. And like I said, like tattooing, craft beer, weed, you know, the, the music aspect of it, um, all things associated with heavy culture, not, not heavy metal per se of like, I listen to Cannibal Corpse and then Iron Maiden and then, and then death. And then, you know, like not, it's, it's not like heavy culture shouldn't just be about the music. To me, the music is the soundtrack to all the shit that we do all day long, which by and large, all of us do like heavy stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're interested in heavy topics, right? We, we, we listen to, heavy topics we read heavy books we watch heavy tv shows we watch heavy movies you know like it's like we're 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 nerds really but we're just into like gnarly music you know so so that's what i mean so it's like i i don't know if someone has to allow anything to happen i mean you know those those people are those people and 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 they're their own you know they're their own brand but i i'm not I'm talking about something that's that's potentially much larger than that, that really kind of brands the culture and can unify a subculture of people together like Vice has done. And I'm just saying on the flip side, like, hey, man, there's us over here. Don't don't uh, you know, don't throw us out the window so quickly just because we put together a completely horrendous award show. Yeah. Yeah. Those award shows have been pretty rough. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, Blasco, man, it's been it's been a great time catching up with you, talking to you about some things. Let everybody know where they can find a new level. Uh, a new level podcast.com or just any of you know any podcast platform. Just type in a new level and it'll pop in there. Cool. And uh, Drowns Hold On to the Hollow is 25 years next year. So should I hold my breath for a uh, 25th anniversary show? Holy <laughs> shit. No, I definitely won't be involved with that. But, uh, but, uh, but wow, man, 25 years. Yeah, it's like, crazy. That's, uh, that's crazy, man. Well, very cool, man. Well, thanks, Blasco, for the time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate it.
Philippe Janselmo, and you are listening to Talk to Me with Joshua. Huge thank you to Blasco for coming on the show. Make sure you guys are checking out the New Level podcast. Also check out his other podcasts with Mike Mowry called Managemental. Both those shows are available on the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. And Jabberjaw has a lot of great shows like Doc Coyle's X-Men podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome with Shane Told of Silverstein, and the Metal Sucks podcast is over there. A lot of great shows, and uh, I definitely have subscribed to many of those shows. So make sure you're supporting Blasco. Check him out on this latest Aussie tour. Saw him last year at Louder Than Life, and it was awesome. And it was cool to just kind of fan out on him a little bit about Drown. <laughs> I'll have to rustle up that picture and put it up for you guys so you guys can check it out. But uh, yeah, so for the Talk To Me podcast, I am Joshua Toomey, and got a great episode for you on Thursday. Should be Spider from Power Man 5000. So until Thursday, have a great week, guys, and I will talk to you soon.